Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan, but before we do, guys, I've got another question. If you could have a lifetime supply of anything, what would it be? If... uh if I say a lifetime supply of money, is that off the table? Is or is that like wishing for more wishes? I, it can be money. It he can always overthinks you. If that's what's in your soul, <laughs> I've never overthought. Clayton, if that's what's in your soul, <laughs> is the love of money, money, then by all means, oh. say it in oh. public oh. in a microphone. You hear the judgment right in that? Yo, you hear it, Eric? What what are you what are you aiming for? I would like a lifetime supply of Bible savvy podcast questions. <laughs> oh, I mean, I would, want them to just keep coming. They would non-stop. keep the conversation going. I, I don't know how to take that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That is a hard question. It is. Okay, so my my fast answer is Jelly Belly Jelly Beans, but <laughs> a that's, specific flavor? Or no, no, all just of them. All, yeah. No, you want the, all of them. The fun you, of Jelly Belly is the surprise, right? It's the making of the recipes oh, that, when you yes. when you mix them up in the combinations and make things. Uh, but. I feel like that would be squandering a lifetime supply of something, <laughs> and I. But it would be enjoyable nonetheless. Maybe. Okay, so the the answer I'm going to go with is a lifetime supply of prepared like fruit and like I want to be able to just walk into my kitchen at any time and just have a platter of like mm. delicious snacks waiting for like, me like just a like a charcuterie board <laughs> yeah or a like a fre- fresh <laughs> fruits fresh fruits vegetable trays charcuterie like, boards like i just want to be able to walk into my kitchen and have prepared uh, somewhat healthy so i don't end up being you know yeah yeah unhealthy unhealthy mm-hmm. you know like with the everlasting yeah, supply with of the dairy at your fingertips i mean it's bound to happen so you yeah, need no, that, would be, that would be nice it would be nice i I I also was thinking of food like salsa or something like that, but I'll I, I can I can I can afford the jar of salsa that I do, yeah. every, especially every, with every your days. lifetime supply of money that you a have. lifetime supply of money. I if I don't do money because that feels like a, a cheap answer, I would do a lifetime supply of either concert tickets or movie tickets because I'm thinking, you know what, those other things, you know, like the regular needs, I, I th- okay, I'm paying for those, but the thing that I wouldn't normally just like spend a lot of extra on would be something like that. Yeah. Okay. How about gasoline? Oh, that, well, that, well, that'll that also be, be practical. I mean, it's like the practical versus fun. Yeah. What about you, Nikki? Uh, the first thing that popped into my mind when I read the question was toothpaste. <laughs> I brush my teeth a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, but you don't, <laughs> you don't like, if you had a lifetime supply of toothpaste, you wouldn't be like, I'm going to brush my teeth a little bit more. No, like, but like I would never Ferris have, would have to have go to the fruit. store to buy it. I never had to go to the store to buy it. It's like one of those, toothpaste always seems to be the one thing that I know that I need. And when I go to the store, I get everything else. And I come back and I go, I forgot the toothpaste. <laughs> like, it's the one thing I forget all I mean, the time. That answer is baffling to me. <laughs> it's just, that's just what popped into my mind. It could be, I could, it could be like this subconscious thing right now that's happening in you my gotta go brain get toothpaste. because i do actually need toothpaste right now like i'm like <laughs> right there there's barely anything left so toothpaste does Tooth- come to my mind <laughs> but isn't it true that toothpaste never really runs out it's true i mean like it doesn't go bad no it never runs out it's- like you only need to buy one tube of toothpaste your whole life if what? you just keep squeezing the tube <laughs> there's always more in there <laughs> 
Well, okay. It's, it's every tube going. of toothpaste has a never-ending supply. We just give up on it because we're tired of squeezing. So we throw that tube away and we go true. buy another tube. So I'm wasteful, of, apparently. Everlasting toothpaste. <laughs> Oh my gosh! All right, Clayton. Willy Wonka should make a tube of everlasting. <laughs> oh, that would be good, actually. Everlasting toothpaste. Yeah. All right, Clayton. What passage are we looking at today? All right, we are going to be in Matthew chapter five. We're going to start right at the beginning of the chapter. A little bit of context here. We are working through the book of Matthew. Uh, we're doing this both here on uh, the Bible Savvy podcast, also as a church at Christ Community. We are preaching through the book of Matthew, so uh, we're spending a lot of time here learning about the, the life and especially the teaching of Jesus. Uh, Matthew 5 here is the beginning of a very important section of Scripture called the Sermon on the Mount, uh, one of the most famous sections of Jesus's teaching there is, and it's for three whole chapters. And what you may notice if you're reading through is that the reading plan actually slows down to much shorter passages uh, during this section. We're actually going to take three weeks to go through three chapters. I don't think there's any other section of the Bible where we've done that. Uh, there might have been somewhere you thought, I wish we had, because this is a lot to read. Um, but in comparison to a lot of things, this is going to be slower. And part of the reason for that is, as famous as these things are, as easy to understand on the surface some of them are, they are the sort of things that it's really important for you to say, okay, but what am I going to do about that? Uh, what, what does this really mean as an implication for my life? So it's a little bit slower this time, uh, but we're going to kick it off here at, at the beginning of uh, chapter 5, right at the top. This is a section called the Beatitudes. If you're wondering where did that name come from, uh, it's basically from the Latin translation of the Bible that was used for a long time. Uh, the word uh, blessed that's in here it was translated in Latin uh, as Beatitude, and so it just sort of stuck, but that's all that that means. But uh, go ahead, and Eric, read from verse 1 all the way through verse 12. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds... He went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. All right, let's start with O, which stands for... Uh, that sound means it's time for your comma tip of the week. In the Gospel of Matthew, we get sections of teaching straight from the mouth of Jesus. So here's an idea that may shake up your Bible reading a bit. Whenever you get to the teachings of Jesus, read it out loud. That way, you are reading and hearing his teaching. The switch back and forth from reading silently to reading out loud might be an enjoyable twist. Here at Bible Savvy, we want you to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. And this has been your comma tip of the week. That's good. That's good. So the uh, O and comma. What is the O and it stands, comma? <laughs> it stands for uh, observation. So this is where we see what we can see. We're often looking for things that are repeating or striking uh, or things about God. So what do you guys see? Yeah, well, right off the bat, you see the repeated word of blessed. 
and this is just it's a declaration of blessing this entire passage is one of the cool word like it that i said like a word picture but it's not a word picture but it's a thought that popped into my brain um when jesus sees the crowds he goes and sets down his disciples come to him and he starts to teach them and i thought about like way back in the day when like kings and queens would like address their people they would all gather to like you know the square or you know some people would watch it on tv and they'd all listen to what that person was saying and and i connected that that to what the study bible said there was a note in the study bible that said this was like king jesus's inaugural address Hmm. and he was explaining what he expected of the members of his kingdom and so i thought that was kind of kind of neat it just it's just a picture that popped into my brain when i read that that that's really good in the context because in the passages right before this that's what he announces right like the kingdom of heaven is here so you know that that's kind of his agenda is he's saying i want to tell you what this kingdom is that's that's a good observation yeah i know we're in observation here but i'm gonna hijack this and take us back to context because clayton when you preached yeah a previous weekend in the gospel of matthew you did a good job of explaining how the gospel of matthew was put together and when Jesus is on a mountain teaching, what that elicits in memory. So why don't you set that up again? Yeah, so Jesus goes up on uh, a mountain, and if you're a first century Jew, mountains have a lot of significance if you've been reading the Old Testament. And in particular, Mount Sinai is like the big mountain, you know what I mean? That's the, that's the one that you're going back to. And so if someone goes up on a mountain and starts teaching in this authoritative way, you're immediately thinking about Moses. Um, And in addition to that, the fact that he's got uh, 12 disciples, like the 12 tribes, and then if you actually look at the book of Matthew, there are five big blocks of teaching. So Matthew has organized the teaching of Jesus in a way where they're kind of grouped together. So you got the Sermon on the Mount at the beginning, and then these four other big chunks. And if you're reading that, with these kind of like imagery of like, oh, it's kind of like Moses. And you see the f- five uh, sections, like the five books of Moses, you're, you're automatically thinking, okay, Jesus is a new Moses, a greater Moses. We've got to listen to him uh, as much as we would the books of Moses. All right. So another uh, observation here is <clears throat> if, if I am correct in reading the word blessed to mean happy, like this, is, the word blessed is a, is an interesting word. It's, it's kind of churchy, bible uh, but if we put it in vernacular that we're used to, it's happy or it's kind of like a congratulatory, like, way to go. You're kind of living the good life. Like, yeah. if you want to live the good life, this is how to live the good life. So if we use the word happy, then verse 4 reads weird. Happy are those who mourn. <laughs> yeah, most of this teaching at first glance strikes as very counterintuitive. You know, blessed are those who mourn. Uh, blessed... Where was another one? Like the poor uh, in spirit. Poor, yeah, it's it, like oh, I'm like I'm like oh, I, I'm poor in spirit. I feel like I should be depressed. You know what I mean? Yeah. So how would that make me happy or blessed? Yeah. yeah so it, it's it's striking as counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting because especially when we use the language blessed now, you see the like the hashtag blessed or people talk about being blessed, and usually what they mean is I'm thankful. Like what they aren't saying, what they're trying to say is God's been good to me, and so I'm going to acknowledge that. That's what that really means. But it can almost um, undermine some of the the depths of what it would mean to be blessed in the Bible, because it, it's only when things are going well that we would say, oh man, look, I'm so blessed. What Jesus is saying is actually in the times when it looks like things are not going so well, even then those are people who are blessed. That's the, there's this, it makes you think, uh, because it's not your instinct to say that's when you're blessed. 
Um, an interesting thing that I saw in verse three when it says, "Blessed are the poor in spirit." Um, I went back. I went to the study note and looked up what that phrase "poor in spirit" meant, and um, I love that it said it's it's like it's this humility and dependence on God versus pride and self sufficiency. So when it says, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven," um, humble people dependent on God versus they are the ones who receive the kingdom of heaven, not pride, self-sufficient people, prideful, self-sufficient, not prideful, self-sufficient people. One of the things I observed is I was trying to think through kind of, is there some order to these things? You know, is there any kind of sense of structure of like why this list at this time? And one of the things I noticed is that the first half, okay, so blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness— those are all somewhat passive. What I mean by that is they, it's a sense of I lack something. You know, I'm poor, so I don't have the riches that I need. I'm mourning because I lost something. I'm, I'm meek. There's like a, a sense of like uh, lower uh, humility. There's uh, hunger and thirst. So it's a sense of like I, there's something that I need that I don't have. There's a passive need. But when you flip to the second half, you get something that's more active. People who are merciful pure in heart. They're peacemakers. Um, even the persecuted for righteousness is a result of them living a certain way. And so there's a, a certain sense of, all right, the first half of the people who say, it doesn't, it doesn't feel to me like I'm blessed. It doesn't feel to me like I'm living the good life. It feels to me like the exact opposite. And Jesus says, even you are blessed. And then it turns around and it says, and here are people who their behavior, you might not say this is the most powerful, the most amazing, the top of the world kind of people, but there is something special about when people are doing this, that's something that's blessed by God. And so I I just kind of noticed that passive active thing. When you said passive and active on on six, when it says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they'll be filled. I looked at like when I read hunger and thirst, what do you do when you're hungry or you're thirsty? You, you, go and you try to pursue something that's going to satisfy that need and that desire. So to me, when I read that, I looked at that as like an active one because I'm, in that case, you would be pursuing personal righteousness or, you know, goodness. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, that's, that's interesting. Well, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of the hinge, right? Like yeah. when you're hungry and thirsty, that's when you're aware of something you don't mm-hmm. have. You want to go get it because you don't have it. And so there, there's something about the awareness of saying, I, I don't have the righteousness that I need. The world yeah. isn't full of righteousness the way it should be. Yep. And so I'm going to pursue those things, but it's because of the awareness of like, oh, I need this. There's an ache, mm-hmm. a hunger to it. Yeah, it's good. I have nothing to add because I have a never-ending supply of fruit trays on my kitchen <laughs> island. That's very true. Charcuterie. It should go to Eric's house. <laughs> Another observation here is the only one that is expanded at all is the last one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes on, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Uh, I wonder why Jesus decided to expand that one. Uh because if I look at it and say, well, that would be the hardest one to swallow, like that one seems the most counterintuitive, I'm not sure that one strikes me as much counterintuitive as blessed are the poor in spirit or blessed. The one the one about blessed are those who mourn is, for, for me, the way it strikes me, the most counterintuitive one. Yeah, it, doesn't, it, does, it sounds like you're almost saying something contradictory. You're like re- getting really close to say happy are the mourners, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
But you could say, and, and there's a sense where it's like, okay, if someone is being mistreated for God, well, of course God is like showing favor to them, right? Like there's there's some something that God is saying, okay, I'm I'm there for you because you you stood up and you got struck down because of me. Um, but I also think that there are there's a, a natural human instinct that when you do something you think is right and then you face resistance, that you think maybe I maybe I'm doing the wrong thing, maybe I'm on the wrong side, maybe I you know like you need some reassurance to keep going when it's like oh wait. Maybe this isn't the right direction to go. Maybe I've put my lot in on the wrong side. And especially if you're an early Christian where everybody around you is saying you're crazy, it, to have some teaching that says, no, actually, don't forget, they thought the prophets were crazy too, uh, might be the kind of encouragement you need. Yeah, some of that is creeping up now in American Christianity, where if you say something basic like, I believe God made male and female, and I don't think we should tinker with that you can be accused of being a hater or not loving someone or being prejudiced towards a certain group. When you're not, you're simply trying to say, I believe God created everything and I'm going to roll with the way he created and not second guess him. But then you are falsely accused of all kinds of bad motivations or darkness in your heart towards a group of people when you don't have that darkness in your heart. Um, So I think we're going to start we are starting to see more and more of this in American Christianity, where you're falsely accused of something that's just not true. Yeah, and you do need the the reminder. No, no, no. I may not. It may look like everybody else thinks you're crazy, and you might start to get that in your mind. Like th- there's something that feels very plausible about the pushback. That's the thing we think. We think persecution always sounds like, well, the persecutors are crazy, but actually, persecution makes you feel like you're crazy. And it makes you think, oh, wait, am I missing something? Do, wait, they do seem like they, they really care and love those people. And if I'm saying this and it seems they, they say that's hateful, may, maybe they're right. you know. And there is something to be said for, no, don't forget how things really are in God's eyes. So here's a question in the observation category. Verse 12, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. So here's my question. Is the reward heaven? Or are there rewards in heaven? I just looked at Clayton. <laughs> I looked at me. If anybody would, if anybody yeah. can see it's, what we're doing right it's now. It's a fun question, and it's a legitimate yes. question. Yeah. I, I will just say here, because it says, great is your reward in heaven, not great, great is your reward, which is heaven. Now, yeah. we don't want to make too much of prepositions in the English language in the Bible, because it's translated from the Greek. And words function differently in different languages. So you, 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 you don't want to make too much of a big deal of a small word like in, but it's a fun and legitimate question. Is the reward heaven or are there rewards in heaven? Yeah, so there's, there's a, a few layers to the question um, or to the answer. One is uh, the reward of heaven obviously is God. Okay, so that's like a, a baseline thing of saying uh, anybody who is in heaven receives the ultimate reward, which is being in the presence of God, knowing him, uh, that's, that's going to be the best thing. No one's going to complain <laughs> regardless. If you got that, you got, you got all you need. Um, but there are plenty of places in the New Testament that make it clear that your behavior and what you experience in the next life are correlated, that there's, there's, there are too many of those sayings to that if you sort of said it's all just uh, everybody receives the same amount <laughs> when you get there 
yeah, so a whole lot of things make uh, a lot less sense. It's hard, though, because um, you end up with this sort of like, okay, so we're, we're going to get there, and like Nikki's going to be a little bit, you know, doing a little better, a little nicer, and I'm going to be okay, but, it, you know, not as good as her, so am I going to feel jealous? And all, like, you get all of those weird kind of questions, you know? Um, and really, who, do any of us deserve any of this, right? So you get all of those things. There's a lot of layers to this. Um, but then I think about it at a, just a really instinctive level. When you know somebody who has done something admirable and you are not jealous of them, right? Like you're not, you're not thinking, oh man, I, you know, I wish someone was noticing me and, and you get to something where they're being celebrated and they're being given a gift or a, a, an honor for that. You, you feel joy for that, right? Like, like if one of your parents or your brother or sister or some friend of yours is receiving a great honor and you get to be at the party and you're not up on the stage receiving the honor, you, you feel no, like, Oh man, I'm disappointed. So when God goes through and says, "All right, here in the next world, I'm going to I'm going to what Eric did, I'm going to specifically honor the things that I did through Eric here. I'm going to specifically honor the things that I did through Nikki here. I'm going to specifically honor the things I did through Clayton. And we're going to all be there. I'm going to be cheering for Eric and I'm going to be cheering for Nikki and there's going to be nothing that makes me happier than to do that, right? So like I I have a feeling that that will all be a wash, but your your actions will impact what heaven looks like for you. All right, so let's do a long explanation. Sorry. So both. (laughs) Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah. He said so both. So let's do a calculation here. So let's let's say that every time you get slapped in the face, you get a reward of $50. (laughs) Uh, I see where this is going. The more you get slapped, the more money you get. So you might be willing to say, like, actually, like, Turn your cheek and be like, hey, someone slap me because if you slap me, I get 50 bucks. Okay, right? <laughs> the more slaps, the more money. Uh-huh. The more persecution, the more reward. Let me, let me put it this way. Um, when we get to heaven. By the way, everyone, Clayton just rolled his eyes. He, <laughs> <laughs> uh, when we get to heaven um, and we meet the martyrs, right? Uh, so those guys that were executed over in, in uh, Egypt or Syria, or, you know what I mean? Like those videos that were online. You meet these people. You say they they confess Christ to the very end. I I'm going to be the first in line to say, let's give them a greater reward, right? Like I, there's nothing about that that I feel like, oh man, they they gamed the system. They somehow found a way to like outdo us. I think we're going to be fine with that. Um, so yeah, I in some ways I say more persecution, more reward, or at least a unique honor of being one of the people who got to do that. So in in my silly slap analogy, yeah. right? You obviously can't you can't just pay get someone to do that so you get paid more. Yeah. But it could possibly create a an interesting twist in how you perceive being slapped. Right? At first you're like, man, getting slapped hurts. Oh, but I got a reward. But eventually you realize, oh, wait a minute. So it could possibly be that this teaching on being rewarded in eternity changes our posture towards persecution where instead of trying to avoid it or or dreading it we just endure it with a sense of like almost almost the sense of gratitude like yes like because i'm in the kingdom of god and i'm taking one for the team and i'm going to be rewarded for this later and so in some sick way you almost endure it with ready for this happiness Mm. blessed are those who are persecuted Mm. Yeah, and if you if you read especially like early church accounts of people who are going to persecution, there there was something about there was a there was a guy who uh, was being kind of like uh, 
he was traveling through the empire on his way to Rome, knowing he was going to get persecuted. And he was stopping along the way because as they're going, they've got to stop someplace. And Christians from the towns would come out and see him. And they would talk about how there was a sense of joy to what was going on because he, he knew he was uh, going to be like Jesus and Peter and Paul and the people who we say, these are the great ones, right? That, like if, if they treat me this way, it means they're putting me in the same category as someone like them. And there is a great – there is a happiness to that in spite of the fact that obviously no one really actually wants that to happen to you. Okay. And listen, everyone, don't go around slapping people. Now, if you want to go around giving people 50 bucks, that's fine. But don't go around slapping people. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Um, one of the things I saw, verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Uh, study notes said that included our, our minds, our, our wills, uh, our emotions – and it's, I think it leads to that idea that you had said that what we do, what we think, how we feel, like, and how that leads us to certain behaviors, that, that does have certain consequences for us. Um, but then there's that idea where it's like, well, can any of us really be pure, like completely pure in heart? Um, it doesn't it say, it says somewhere that the, the heart is deceitful, right? Um, but it's this idea of sanctification, that when we become, we put our faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes, lives within us, helps us to become more and more like his son Jesus. And so little by little, our hearts start to be transformed uh, through that. And so um, there is a way, um, not perfect, not completely pure, but there's a way. All right, I'm going to go on to the M in comma, one of the M's in comma, which is meditation. And uh, when you come to a passage like this, I, I, the thing I would recommend is to simply pick one of the Beatitudes and ponder that for a little bit. Uh, I'm, we're going to have to pick one for you, but you may want to take this time, if there was one that stuck out to you, uh, to grab that and ponder it. But we're going to do the one that uh, Eric highlighted here in verse 10, and it says this. Take 45 seconds to ponder it. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. All right, let's talk about the other M in comma, which is message. How would you take something that you saw in this passage and sum it up in a principle that you can apply to your life? Uh, so my message was, it, it came off of what I was just talking about, was that uh, our thoughts, our feelings, and our behaviors, they all have consequences. My message would be, we have to be convinced that what God thinks about us is more important than what other people think about us. Because if other people are saying false things about us, accusing us, persecuting us, and we get so worked up because someone thinks something about me that's not true, it's really hard to live the blessed life that way. So I need to be convinced that what God thinks about me is more important than what other people think about me. Hmm. Uh, Something similar here, but uh, the way I put it is, those who live out of sync with the world are on the right side of history. 
uh, and I and I use a loaded phrase there. Um, I know how that's used in our, our culture, um, but it is one of the ways that people say, one day you're going to realize all of those things that you you know thought and did were wrong. You know, history is going to prove that this was the the right thing. Uh, and what Jesus is saying about the kingdom is that all of these people who look like they're you know either uh, on the, the the wrong side of history in the sense of they're being they're being you know forgotten or they're out of sync with the way things are supposed to be done around here. Um, it turns out in Jesus' kingdom, they're the ones who are blessed. All right, let's talk about the A and comma, which is application. How do you respond to this? What do you do? So based on my message uh, that our thoughts and our feelings and behaviors have consequences, I asked myself, uh, how am I doing in these areas? So I'm looking at this passage and I'm, I'm wondering, uh, is my life uh, characterized by humility or pride? Uh, am I pushing, am I pursuing, sorry, not pushing, pursuing righteousness or my own selfish ambition? Am I, um, am I merciful towards others? Am I a, a peacemaker or do I stir up trouble? Like just asking myself those questions. How am I doing in these areas and asking for God to come in and help me, help me, uh, help me be more like how he wants me to be in those areas. If my message is I need to be convinced that what God thinks about me is more important than what other people think about me, then I need to know what God thinks and what God says, Mm -hmm. which means, ready, this is going to be a shocker in the Bible Savvy podcast. (laughs) I need to be in the Word. God has spoken. He has revealed himself. He has told us what he thinks and how he feels about us. And so if we want to focus on what God thinks, then we need to stay in the Word. Yeah, so with my message that those who are out of sync with the world are on the right side of history, um, some of it is about allowing a passage like this one to shape your imagination. So we, when we, you interact with the world, we often put categories on things of saying, you know, good guy, bad guy, you know, who, you like, you know, who's doing well, who's not doing well. And what this does is it makes you actually go back and look at people around you and situations around you and flip the categories. So if you're in the first century and you're one of these disciples and you're being persecuted by Rome or you're, you're like, you know, uh, feeling uh, like you're meek and humble because, you know, the world's passing you by, you're not insignificant, you're not important. Well, all of a sudden you realize Jesus says, actually, uh, I'm going to inherit the earth. Actually, I'm, I'm in the category of the prophets. Actually, so like people who are experiencing that, the world is putting labels on them. Their imagination they have to use to say, oh, but wait, there's a world to come where it will actually be this. This will. This is who I am. This is what I'll be called. This is how I'm labeled. And if you don't actively do that where you say, hang on, let me see this from God's perspective. Does he smile on this or does he not? Um, you will just default to the imagination of the world around you. And so some of this is taking the time to say, oh, wait, who, if I looked at the world through these eyes, would I see differently? And then, and then do the, the hard work of that. Well, there you have it, friends. Thanks for listening this week. Join us next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan. In the meantime, if you're not following along, you can check out BibleSavvy.com to download the plan and start reading today. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week.